When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to our brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London. Uh, this is little Billy here. Uh, if you're watching this live on Facebook, uh, what are we on? In- we're on the Facebook. We are on um, YouTube. And we are on Twitch. Um, and uh, just say hi to little Billy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> He's uh, going to go away now, but I thought it would be a nice familiar face from the very first year of Geekscape. If you're a longtime Geekscapist, that means go back to 2006 here. You'll recognize little Billy here. Uh, shout out for some of your longtime Geekscapists. Little Billy's going to go away now. He's going to go over here. But you can just say that uh, Jonathan's been going through the old storage bit and pulling out some of the old hits um, here as we celebrate like our 15th year of Geekscape, which is insane. Um, I got a bunch of your shirts in the mail that I'm sending out to all of you. It took a while to get printed and make them just right. I actually sent some shirts back that had some bleed on them. They looked nasty. But if you did the uh, pre-orders this summer for uh, the uh, shirt orders that said Heroes Wear Masks, 10% 10% of it went to the ACLU. If you're part of that, your shirts are coming in the mail. I was trying to get them to you before election day so you can go around and make a statement, let them know that you believe science uh, and that you're a geekscapist. So if, you, if you're one of the people who's emailed me and been like, hey, I think I ordered a shirt. We're, that's coming, right? Yes, the shirts are finally coming. And I may throw some stickers and some comics and some free stuff in there just to like, make it worth your while. And like I said, I wrote a big check to the ACLU, thanks to you, because we were, 10% of it went right to them off the top. So thanks a lot. Uh, we have a cool show for y'all today. We've got Mark Weber. He's a filmmaker. He's been on the show before. You may know him as an actor on movies like Scott Pilgrim and Matt Kelly's favorite Snow Day. Um, he's a he's just a big Chevy Chase fan. Matt Kelly just cannot get enough Chevy Chase. He watches the whole thing every Christmas. Um, we got that going on, and I know that some of y'all have been saying you want a few more reviews from me. I've been working like a dog on some editing and working pretty hard, but I've got a movie that I really enjoyed this week on top of The Place of No Words, the movie that Mark directed that he's going to be on the show talking about here in a little bit. I saw the Aaron Sorkin movie that's on Netflix right now, The Trial of the Chicago 7. This is about the 1968 uh Democratic Convention riots. I don't know if you all know about that period in American history. It was pretty dark, but also really paralleled what's going on today. So, you know, we've been pretty active here on Geekscape. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I just want you all active in our process because I think the more voices that are in there, the cream rises to the top on that one. But watch this documentary, Aaron Sorkin. Uh, It's got, I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, Freddie Redmayne. It's got uh, just a huge, awesome cast. And he didn't, he wrote this supposedly back in 2007 and used the court transcripts of these court trials um, to write the script. And it's it's Aaron Sorkin. If you're a West Wing fan, if you're an Aaron Sorkin fan, you kind of get what to expect. But I thought the movie was awesome. It's a little over two hours. But if you're looking for something that kind of gets you motivated about the power of your voice, and uh, your ability to uh, enact change in the world when everything seems like it's against you, which is something that we definitely push you on Geekscape, staying positive and staying active. Uh, that's one that I definitely recommend. Um, and I don't know what else. I was going to text Katie earlier today, and I, she's here waiting to be on the show. And I was like, Katie, should we just do like a live election night 
uh, stream where we just kind of like watch either the horror show or the celebration wherever you sit on the aisle. Like, should we just do that live with the Geekscapists and just kind of see how the way things are turning election night wise? Would you Geekscapists be interested in that? If uh, if so, like drop it in here. Uh, Katie, what do you think? Is that like a nightmare idea? Is that a good idea? Because four well, years ago when we were filming in Brazil and the election night happened, I'm really glad there wasn't a camera on me. I mean, that I was just thinking the same thing. I was like, I, I personally have not drank in over 10 days now, so I'm very proud of that. But that night, depending on how things go, I will be hammered. <laughs> no doubt. So if we want to see election night and me get real sloppy, uh, you know, it, it's up to the audience at this okay. point. Will you get sloppy regardless is the question. Yeah, I pro- honestly, probably. Honestly, probably. Okay, so that is yeah. like a Geekscapist, just like you do on November 3rd or early if you're active. You have a vote here. If you want us to uh, live stream on election night so you can watch Katie lose consciousness, feel free <laughs> to just drop that right here. And uh, Katie will definitely serve that up. Um, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever blacked out during an election. I think I almost came close last time, but uh, who knows? Depending on how this goes. If you want to see us kill uh, Katie through alcohol, <laughs> just come on over and uh, drop into the comments and be like, "I am so down." Oh no, Katie drinking herself to that. What if like it starts going south, right? And then uh-huh. the blue wave happens where the late voters and some of the tabulations of the Western states start coming in. You've, you've heard about Ooh. this happening, the blue wave, that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. That midway through an election, the, some of the start, some of the, the more left-leaning blue states start coming in with the tabulations and things that looked a little red start going blue. What if that happens and you're already on your deathbed? Is that like a Romeo and Juliet situation that's where like when... they already drank the poison, but then you realize it was like a fake poison, but he's already dead. So like, oh, oh shit, I died too soon. Oh yeah, no, that's definitely, that's probably something that, I mean, I would counteract it with coffee. So maybe I'll have like in one hand, I'll have probably a whiskey, let's be real. Mm -hmm. And then the other, I'll have coffee. And so however the votes start going, it'll be coffee, whiskey, whiskey, coffee. And then maybe I'll just like pour them together at some point and we'll just have it all as an Irish coffee. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, who knows? All right. Yeah. Yeah. But but probably it'll be too late for me. Okay. I'm going to go with... This is what's going to be in my hand during okay. election night. I will be, I think I'm going to, let's do the live stream. Okay. I'm going to have a fucking trident. Okay. <laughs> what? what? Because you're King Trident? Like you're, no, listen. no, 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 you watch The Walking Dead, and they're all like, "Oh, we got to use guns. You don't want guns because then they know where you are. Like they they make, they make loud noises. You can't use guns, and plus, guns run out of bullets. And so, you know, so this is what you got to do. You got to okay. keep distance, right? Uh huh. So, but you don't want like a knife. Like you know, you don't want like have close combat. You got to use something that has a little bit of distance to it. Doesn't run out of bullets. Doesn't create fire. Doesn't create loud sounds. The fucking trident is something that you stick them. They're not going to crawl down the trident and, and take you out with a knife or gun or something like that. You can throw it. It has aiming, but it's better than a pitchfork because the pitchfork's curved. You can't throw a pitchfork as effectively as a trident. I'm telling you that Geeks gave us November 3rd, no matter what happens, know that if shit goes south, you want to go with the trident. Plus, well, gonna have a trident. <laughs> come on now. It's not about being in the ocean. It's about I'm, listen, being pragmatic. I'm curious how how your mind went from the election day, then suddenly zombies are definitely a No, it ain't like that. Listen, listen, listen. You know there are zombies. You see them freaking marching in Portland and like these proud boys, (laughs) right? You you see these guys. You see these proud boys. Tell me that they... How's that different than Walking Dead, Katie? All right? That's a good point. I'll tell you you how it's different. Uh, Zombies can walk for a long time and those guys get winded just going to Subway. That is how the difference is. But uh, you got to get the trident and then you got to have a net, Right? Okay. You gotta get. You gotta catch. What them. are you catching now? You're gonna catch them all. You're gonna catch all the proud boys. Yeah, you just want to trip them up. Gotta catch them all. It's London. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Katie. <laughs> okay. You don't want to booze yourself to death. Like that's that. Come on, don't be a quitter. I do want to know: Are you going to be keeping all the proud boys in pokeballs, or are you going to just like store them in a giant chest that like? No, they have to go somewhere else. Okay, <laughs> got, got it. They got to go. go. Those are like. Those are like the Pokemon that you just let 
you let roam around. You're like, oh, you know what? You're not actually that high in, in status. Kingscape is going to back me up. You remember when you were playing Pokemon Go and you got too many Pokemons and you had to just like, like sacrifice you them all them. Or something. Like, That is what I'm going to be doing. The times are changing. George Pepe over on Facebook is watching and he says, I'm pro Trident. Mm. Speaking of George Pepe, I should have just uh, bought all of his alcohol up because uh, he was selling some alcohol there for a minute. Am I yeah. wrong on that? That was, George, that was Pepe, right? Yeah, I think George Pepe also says that if you put a Proud Boy in a Pokemon ball, that is the only balls they're going to have <laughs> uh, right there. So, Geekscape well done, is Pepe. Get where we're going here. Uh, George helps us book some of the guests here on Geekscape. He's been a Geekscapist from the very beginning, and I love you, George. He's going through a little bit of a uh, of a tough time here in like life stuff. Nothing y'all haven't seen me go through myself, and I'm glad you guys were there for me. Uh, I got to be there for George. George is selling off a ton of stuff. I think he's leaving LA, and he's getting rid of a bunch of stuff. So George is having his own little fire sale. So uh, sorry about that. And George, I'm saying don't sell off the alcohol because we may need Molotovs here in a little bit. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, it might be a good weapon of choice. Might be better than a trident. Just saying. It might it be. I'm fire. saying it might be. It might be. There's a high potential that, like, if you if you cultivate all of your alcohol, you could at least. Uh, nope. Nope. Okay. You don't know how to post apocalypse. Listen. I don't. I told. I told you. I think I told everyone. I, as soon as the apocalypse happens, I'm done for. <laughs> like it's. Okay. I'm I, my skills are very video game based. <laughs> this is what you do, Katie. Okay. This is Katie. This is just my advice for Katie. Don't do this, Geekscapist. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. The second you see that society is going to fall. Open up your spice cabinet and just start spicing. Just start making yourself savory. Just start getting yourself ready to be cooked by a bunch of cannibals coming through. Oh, good, good. Okay, can yeah. You know, no, that's, can that's, you for once think about other people, please? I No, absolutely. You should absolutely stick a sprig of thyme up your ass so that you can be nice <laughs> and toasty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Geekscapist. You heard it here first. started so positively and Jonathan being like, hey, your voice matters. Go out there. Oh, on November 3rd or earlier. I got your masks. I got your shirts. We raised a bunch of money for the ACLU. And it just, I couldn't leave well enough alone. <laughs> nope. This is what it turns into. Katie, I love you. Thanks for being part of this show. Uh, you know what? George Pepe says loves you too, buddy. So there's positivity. Uh... All right, let me introduce my guest. Probably best. <laughs> Let's get off this. Uh, Mark Weber is no stranger to the show. He's been on the show a handful of times. Uh, I think um, I, I, I think the first one was a movie that also starred his son, Brody. Vody. And now he's got a new movie. Uh, this one comes out this Friday. Uh, you guys can watch it on VOD. Uh, it's called The Place of No Words. It's out this Friday on VOD. I went to this premiere last week, and you're like, wait, wait, wait. How did you go to premiere doing COVID? Let me tell you how I went to a premiere during COVID. Oh, infected. No, not infected. That's a lie. I didn't do that. It's coughing it was, on everyone. It was a drive-in premiere. It was a drive-in cool. premiere. It was kind of cool. So Heidi and I got in the car. We drove into the parking lot. He had the whole blown-up screen, and we sat in our cars, and we got uh, concessions. Everything was very safe. Everybody was masked. And we sat in our car. We had the popcorn. We had the drinks. I brought an extra couple uh, sodas, a couple extra soda waters for myself, soda waters, as they would say back home in Texas. And uh, we watched this movie. And the movie, I got to tell you, is hard to describe, but I'm going to give it my best, if you will. If you know Mark's stuff, and I think this guy is actually an auteur, like you, they throw that shit around all the time. They always say, oh, it's an, he's an auteur. Um, I can see how you think that a lot of these people are auteurs. Um, I think Mark is actually like a John Sales, early John Sales level auteur. He is somebody who, when you watch his films, uh, it reminds me a little bit of my, my hero, Richard Linklater. Uh, I was telling him the next morning on text that it reminded me of a lot of like the early John Cassavetes movies or just John Cassavetes movies, period, where you don't really care about three-act structure. A lot of the traditional storytelling goes out the window, and a lot of it is just about a filmmaker exploring a theme or, uh, or, or a character, and you challenge the audience to do the same, and you don't leave the audience a whole lot of breadcrumbs of the traditional stuff like, oh, there's an inciting incident and clear goals, and you... You want this character to, you know, the movie's going to end when this character achieves a certain thing. You have to find the movie in the same way that the characters are finding the movie. So 
if I should be so bold and Mark will come in and maybe back me up, be like, nope, I don't even know what you're talking about. The, his movies are always about people like searching for something. And this one seems like the most personal yet, although it is in part a fantasy film that I believe he co-wrote with his son, who is like that's cool, five years old. That's so cool. And what's personal about it is that, and I don't want to spoil too much about it. I really want y'all to watch this October 23rd when it comes out. Um, the movie will challenge you. You might get restless and be like, I don't know what the plot is. I don't know where this is going because it is a father who is, the smallest spoiler I'll give you is that it is a father who is dealing with his oncoming mortality. He is sick, but he has a very young family and he doesn't know how or if at all to broach this subject with his son and they create a bit of a fantasy world. So you see the fantasy world as they journey for this, this thing that in a sense will save the son and save us all once the father is gone and can no longer be a father to him. And, and you wrestle with like, what do you leave your legacy? What do you leave your son? Uh, and it is done so I, independently. It is such yeah. a beautiful movie and it's ballsy to make a movie like this <laughs> because it's not commercial. I'll say right now, I don't, this movie is not commercial, but if you watch this movie, it will challenge you and you will be left thinking about it. And like my ass, you'll wake up at 5 a.m. the next morning and strap on the running shoes and be like, I can't sleep. I, go. <laughs> I have to get this out of my system. Yeah. And I, and I didn't, you know what? I didn't care if it was too early, Mark. I'm sorry, but I texted you and was like, yo, man, I can't get your fucking movie out of my head. Um, I, I love the off. idea that Mark is sitting back right now waiting for you to actually bring him in and you're just trying to muscle through all of your feelings without talking to him directly. The movie is awesome. He's just I'll sitting back. You, <laughs> I'm excited. If you're an artist or if, you know, if you're a filmmaker, musician, whatever, if you're an artist, I think, and you want to break that mold, you know, like the prison system in your creative brain of it has to be like this because other people make stuff like this. I don't, I gotta ask Mark. I don't actually think he sees that stuff. I think I think he's like Linklater. He's just like I don't know what a three X structure is. Like I don't see it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if he okay. is blind to this traditional stuff and where he got it. Okay, because he has been in traditional stuff. All right, Mark, you are on the show, man. I had to bring you out. Hey. What do you think? Am I off my gourd? Like, what do you think, dude? No, man. You're totally very much on point. I I appreciate. Uh, your breakdown of it and your insight and what you got from it. And hey, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> happy to have you. Thanks, I'm man. ready to catch some proud boys with Pokemon ball balls too. <laughs> yeah, man. Are you freaked? Are you, I mean, when you see those videos of these people, you're a little freaked out and you're like, man, do I got to go get like active a little bit? Because you're from Philly and you and, and you did not, you don't, I don't think you're somebody who gives a lot of fucks. So uh, I think yeah. I think you, I think the Philly would come out of you real fast. It would very very quickly. Um, thankfully, uh, I have not encountered any proud boys in person. Um, <laughs> so, okay. but uh, would would not uh, hesitate uh, regulating that situation if it ever were to occur. Um, I'm the Trident. I'm going to Mark's house. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right? Dude, try it. Protect too. me. I get it. I see it. I see it. I get it. <laughs> I just feel like you will get a you'll get the jump on them because they'll be like, is that a fucking trident? But exactly. that's like, that is like a moment hesitation that will buy you time right there. <laughs> totally. Probably, probably to run away, but I'm gonna use it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so Mark, um this movie, dude, uh I kind of want to start off with just saying, like, what the fuck? Because uh -huh. <laughs> you you know, one thing I said in our text was like it's really ballsy for a storyteller to not lead somebody by the hand. And it is so mm -hmm. tempting mm -hmm. to do that with an audience and say, you know, and it's, e it's total ego mm -hmm. to be like, I need them to get this. I mm -hmm. need them to know what I'm talking about. I need them to get the message or to get in. And you do not do the audience's homework. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to, you know, I definitely, the film is a, a positive meditation on death um cool. and it's it's seen predominantly through the eyes of my real son my three-year-old son Bodhi and um yeah you know I think whenever I start to make any film uh I'm not beholden to any anything any set of rules that's for sure um you know I 
I, I wanted this film to feel different. I wanted it to flow differently. Um, I wanted it to take some time. I wanted you to have to sit with it. Um, similar to how folks really sit with someone when they're leaving this whatever planet, it is. whatever yeah. it is, Coiled, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with, uh, you know, a certain type of emotion and, and things that feel different. Um, and, and really wanted this to be a deep exploration, you know, and, um, when you're being guided by a three-year-old, it, it can get <laughs> interesting, you know? Yeah. Does it feel as ephemeral, like ephemeral as a filmmaker, as it feels to your characters? Cause your characters, like I said earlier, seem to be always searching for something. And and it's never like oh if they get the paycheck they're gonna get it oh if they get the the, the miracle cure they're gonna get it there's never that thing in your movies that are like the easy solution mm-hmm. and, because in life there aren't but as a filmmaker do you go out in that search on a technical level on a story level and have that like how much do you have a plan how much do you go out there and like you said being guided into your film and your story by the three year old like. How much did you just have to be like, nope, the control, like, do you have any control freak in you at all? Oh, yeah, totally. And it's funny, though, because I, I think in, in the scripts that I write, uh, I, I really embrace knowing that this is going to evolve. So, um, and there's a, a lot of a meticulous bit of planning uh, that goes into creating the environment, um, creating the setups, you know, and, and, I write dialogue as more of a suggestion, you know, pointing us and leading us in the way of leading us towards a particular emotion or a feeling um, that I'm going for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, and also too, I'm really benefit benefit from the fact that I work with the same small group of people. You know, I have the same cinematographer who shot all five of my films, and so we're we have a deep level of trust and understanding. We know each other so well we know each other's strengths and weaknesses and so we get a lot of that um you know we don't have to worry i don't have to worry about meeting someone for the first time and trying to develop that that trust and how how are we going to communicate so going into something as ambitious as this film was in terms of its setups and the environment and where we were uh it it was great having people who have gone through this process with me before um, we were able to dig, dig deep and get, get even deeper. Where yeah. were you? I'm sorry, Katie. Like, no, uh, but, like you, but once you see this movie, Katie, you got to see some of these locations. Cause excited, it's like, yeah. I remember you putting the updates on to like the Kickstarter backers and, and crowdfund backers and that this and that. And I was like, where the hell are you? Cause you're in the middle of like Northern Europe or the British Isles and yeah. you're getting some beautiful places, but then watching the movie, you also add some elements that are not practical you do add some 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 cgi elements which is fairly new to your like filmography is having these extra elements in post another skill set that makes me be like damn this guy can do anything um where did you shoot the movie and was it frustrating or was it like really kind of a cool growth for you to add those kind of elements into the movie we shot in Northern Wales in an area called Snowdonia. And, you know, you go to the forests in that area and legit, you expect the fairy to just fly out behind a tree <laughs> or a little now, elf. Like, they're extinct because <laughs> yeah. of fracking. I <laughs> and I, it was great. It was fun to explore the, the elements of a, a bit of special effects um, and start to play with some bigger set pieces and things like that. Um, and, and I loved it. I really enjoyed it, you know, and um, it, it was, it was very hands-on. My producing partner, Dustin Hughes, who I work with as well on, on all my projects did, did the special effects himself, a lot of it, you know? And so it was a very, um, a very immersive kind of learning experience for me in that and with all the digital stuff. Yeah, that's a new tool set that I you didn't use in your other films. Yeah. And now are you going to go a little nuts with it? Not really. No, yeah. not no, not this not this next one, but um it it definitely was fun. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, you were talking about how you the film is kind of like a positive meditation on death, which I feel like that's nothing that I've seen before. And it's such a great way of describing it that I'm very excited to watch this movie. Katie, you um, said you were going to drink yourself to death earlier in the show. So. I know, but like, but then, that no, <laughs> no, that was not positive, <laughs> Jonathan. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm the straight edge kid. I don't know what I'm talking about. I was just going to say, I was oh, like, sorry. you're the one that's totally sober. <laughs> No, but like no one really kind of focuses like if you hear a movie is about death, like it's usually like this doom and gloom. It's like, I don't know if I have like 90 minutes to cry all day. Like um, this is fascinating to me. Where were you in um, when you were starting to write this or like cultivate this idea that, that brought you to this kind of positive meditation on death? He was probably on WebMD freaking out about like a sore tooth or something. And he was like, I'm fucking dying. I'm dying. I'm, I'm dying. I have to write a movie about this because I'm fucking dying right now. I do that, unfortunately, so much. Like, do you really? I, I all really, do. I, I've self-diagnosed myself and my kids with some pretty, some pretty gnarly stuff, you guys. <laughs> um, Middle ages shit. And, and thank God I was totally wrong. Yes. Um, Leave that up but, to the scientists. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my God. Uh, but no, I, I think becoming a father and and being a parent, um, you become really in touch and aware. Uh, with your own mortality. Um, and also when your children start to develop a, a vulnerability and a sensitivity towards death and an understanding of it and not wanting you to die and not wanting your friends, their friends to die and, and talking about uh, what this all means while we're here, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it, it, it was a really beautiful process to go through um and you know i i think bodhi his understanding of of what we were trying to achieve was really astonishing to me too it, you know for his age and um it was it was a really a deeply fulfilling process to go through with him you know? yeah well, how was his reaction through this whole process like i mean did he find a deeper meaning with death or like i mean that's that's one of the things that i feel like every parent fears is like having that conversation of like okay well this this pet won't live forever mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah I, I think the the main thing that we try to teach uh and show in our household is that to be present and to enjoy each and every moment that you're here. And while you're here, uh, since we don't know when our time is that we're gonna go, that we should spend it being kind and loving and having fun. And so that's that's what we try to adhere to. And I think Bodhi, um, an extra level in his, his brain clicked, you know, with understanding that this time here is meant to be enjoyed as much as possible um and so i i think it comes up in moments where of disagreement or frustration you know it's a great thing to have to be raising children to remind themselves to help work through maybe some of their frustration or their feelings that they're having with gratitude you know um mm -hmm. and so his understanding of of what it means to be grateful and creating little gratitude lists in his head and, and reminding himself when things get challenging, like, well, I have, I have healthy brothers and sisters. I have a home to sleep in. I have food to eat. And, um, and these are all things that are really important to me as, as uh, a human being and a parent. And it, it was, it was a really, uh, a really cool thing to make a piece of art um, yeah. with, with your, actual family exploring these things you know and you've made art with your family before but the last one was very reflective of the relationship that you had with your brother and your your mom because a lot of that time was spent some of your childhood was spent not having those things you know the times that you were sleeping in a car you know as a kid and that level of i mean you say you seem like a pretty well adjusted dude i've known you for a while and i've seen your art um and i think that it's part of your process but that is still trauma is that right mark like do you think that you're still processing your trauma through all this and in making this movie there was a a sense of protectiveness even though you know you're you want your kid to be free of you and to be able to to go beyond yourself but there's a sense of protectiveness too in making this movie and i'm not saying 
you're Michael Keaton in that one movie where he's making all those videotapes with and he's married to Nicole Kidman. You know that movie I'm talking about? No. Where there's a movie that Michael Keaton's in where he's like dying, so he makes all these videotapes. I think it's called I think it's literally called My Life. Really? He's making, oh, he's wow. making like videotapes for his uh-huh. kid when they're dead, when uh-huh. he's dead. And uh-huh. uh it's like a, I think like Frank Oz directed it or something. But I think I think you took the the other route where it's like Hey man, it doesn't have to be answered like all of that. And again, I go back to that amorphous nature. How much of this is processing your trauma, like early on, the trauma of your of like being a, an early parent, mm-hmm. you know, the trauma of all these pressures, mm-hmm. you know, these micro, uh, these kind of like micro traumas that build up mm-hmm. someone's life into who they are. How mm-hmm. much of this is still part of your your process? Oh, you know, everything that I set out to make, every film that I set out to make is definitely um, processing things that have that have happened to me, things that are currently going on, different feeling states, uh, things that are happening in the world. Um, and I, I think I bring that to all, all my work, you know? Um, I just, I've always felt a sense of responsibility as a storyteller, especially as a filmmaker, to put out work that is at least tempting to be culturally impactful, you know, um, to spark real deep, meaningful conversation. It's so yes, always on some level, I'm bringing so much of, uh, what I've experienced in my life to what I'm, what I'm making, you know, for sure. But you make it feel effortless. That's what I get, but I get it from you. And, you know, in, in, I mean, a lot of credit, not to take a credit away from you, but this DP you've got, this team you've got, and I mean, y'all probably don't talk that much on set because you have probably such a, a naturalist, like shorthand, yeah. where he's just finding moments. He's done it in all of your movies. He's just mm-hmm. finding these documentary style moments mm-hmm. that are poignant and like in the edit or on set, you're nailing this stuff. I don't even feel like saying on set with you. Mm-hmm. Because your stuff is just like we exist, you know. You're such a mm-hmm. hippie. It's like we exist, <laughs> and the camera gets it, uh-huh. and then I go and I take it into premiere or whatever, and I shape it, uh-huh. and, and it's like fucking effortless, dude. Yeah, well, where did not, you learn this crap? Um, I, you know, it's funny. It, it it's really hard. I think I think if people were to watch this film um, and guess all the moments that were purely spontaneous and just happening, uh, they'd be wrong. <laughs> and, and, and I, I, I think what's, what's it, it's, it, but it's really hard. It's really hard to make things feel so spontaneous and so authentic. Um, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that we shot in kind of the natural world in, in reality, uh, we would live in certain situations for a while and so what it kind of looks like is okay we're gonna today we're gonna pretend it's Bodhi's birthday and we're opening up presents and so oh, that wasn't really his birthday that wasn't a home video that you just happened to throw in your movie um, you, had to, you had to take those gifts away from him no 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 no. that What's was actually but that was messed actually, up bro that was that was actually Bodhi's birthday okay. um so we didn't have to pretend that it was his birthday but we what we had to do was is we would repeat things right Right. so we would do some takes so some things would happen uh naturally and it'd be awesome and then we kind of just reset and explore that a little bit more um Um, we're excited buddy but we're gonna have to rewrap the present (laughs) and we're gonna you you have to reopen the present do that same reaction yeah (laughs) Um, yeah. is that is that how you kind of shot the entire movie and how how long did that process take uh it's well no it's not how we shot the entire film okay we we um uh, it took us about two months, but really spread out. Um, you know, very often we'd shoot for about an hour or two a day just because everything is so built around Bodhi and his feelings and his life. And I never like to push things too much. Um, He's not yes. a Hollywood mom, all right? He's yeah. not a Hollywood. You're not like, <laughs> I'm not, you used no, to blocking Bodhi. No. <laughs> you just cost yourself a muffin. I know, no. Oh, that'd be terrible. But see, Bodie's the type of kid who'd have been like, he would not be having any of that. He'd be like, excuse me, dad. Like, I'm going to have my muffin and we're done shooting for the day. You know, so. Um, but so much of Wales was, uh, that was, 
for lack of a better word, like traditional, you know, in terms of, okay, we're climbing up a mountainside today. And so we need to get this big wide shot. We need to get this coverage. Um, and yeah, so it, it's funny the the fantasy realm of the film was uh, a bit more labor intensive with the setups, whereas um, some of the, the more Hold natural- on, Mark, you're, you're breaking up a little bit. Can you repeat that? The, the fantasy parts of the film were what? Oh, the, the fantasy parts of the film were a bit more, you know, labor intensive. Yeah. Um, I, can, okay? I can hear him, Jonathan. Can hear I, I can hear him. Oh, so it might, it so might so actually be on your head. Yeah. Okay. No, Damn, no, I, I think, I'm sorry. It's a lot might be coming in on you. I can't wait until we can do the show in person. I know. I know. I know. One of these days we'll, we'll get a vaccine out there. Specifically, so, Jonathan will. <laughs> I'm so impressed though with um, this setup though i like being <laughs> waiting backstage oh did you i yeah. felt so bad i was like jonathan is just waxing poetic about your phone i was like well bring him in and ask him it's a little uh, nerve-wracking uh, though because the little the little message underneath is like um you may join in at any moment um oh. and so you're just like looking at your little square you're like, like okay. what, what do i touch yeah what do i do <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, did you for like the more natural scenes in the movie? Like, or I mean, I'm I'm only think because I haven't seen it yet. But like the ones with you and Bodhi, um, were they? Did you have several cameras going at the same time? Or yeah, we would shoot two cameras um, a lot of the time. And yeah. um, but it, it's funny that the the more that we went on, it became a, a bit more challenging to get two cameras into the situations that we were in. So we would just, we ended up, it was actually easier to just shoot one camera as opposed to two. You don't want Um, to be going up that freaking mountain I saw in the movie. You don't want to hike two up that mountain. You don't want to carry that. You don't want to do that. No, no. And I, you know, we we all are, you know, carrying our own stuff. You know, he made a three-year-old basically do that scene from (laughs) Kill Bill. where Like Uma Thurman goes up the mountain to, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, she, he, like, what the fuck? You made a three-year-old do that scene where Uma Thurman goes up the mountain to meet Sonny Chiba. And I'm wow. like, really? This kid's going to do it? And I'm just watching this movie, and the kid's taking the stairs like a champ. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, here we go. That's the well, great thing about kids, man. They're so malleable. Like, they don't care. They're like, yeah, I'll climb well, up. We, like- were, we were really on an adventure, too, you know? Like, oh. when when you're out there on the side of those mountains and you got real swords and you got your real Viking gear on, we were, you know, it it was, we, we were really on a mission. So it made, it made those things, those moments, not just easier, but it, it, it fun, you know, made it right. like, yeah, you're you're legitimately like putting the world in there like for him. Like you've got the costumes and everything. Like that's I'm not gonna lie, I'm like retroactively like jealous of like <laughs> you like being a dad. I'm like, oh, could you be my dad? Like I wanna <laughs> go on those journeys and like wear those costumes and Katie, stuff. I will adopt you, but you made fun of the freaking trident. So unless <laughs> unless my daughter unless my daughter wants to do similar things, but like with a trident, then I don't have a place for you in my house. Dude, give me a trident, dress me up as a mermaid, whatever the hell. Like, as long as we're on an adventure, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> Done. And then the geekscapists are like, yeah, he totally murdered her. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he, he gave her a trident and chucked her ass off a boat. <laughs> She's she still underwater to this day. She wanted. I didn't know she couldn't swim in a mermaid outfit. I, I, was, <laughs> I was being an artist. My six foot tall ass would just stand up and I'd be out of the water. <laughs> Uh, Mark, where did the fantasy thing come from? Because, like I said, like this is your other movies are fairly grounded in like a, a personal reality, and then this movie is the one where, when I remember you shooting it, and it's got like you know effects that you got you got some of these characters from like the Henson Company and things like this. I'm sitting there looking at it, being like, "Whoa, Mark yeah. is really stretching some muscles." Uh, where did that fantasy element come from? Did it come from Bodhi? Did it come from you just wanting to stretch those muscles? What's up? Both. I mean, so much of uh, the movies that I was inspired by when I was younger, Labyrinth, um, Dark Crystal, they, and just Sesame Street, you know, they were my jam. Um, And so I knew it would be amazing if there was some way that we could get Henson's workshop involved with the film. It'd be like an incredible cosign. And then also so much of 
uh, the fantasy elements came from Bodhi's stories, you know, the stories that him and I tell each other and make up. So it was this beautiful, like, combination of some of my childhood memories of the, the movies that I loved and took me to a place mixed with Bodhi's own imagination. And yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, getting, getting the opportunity to have Henson work on our creatures in the, in the film was, you know, personal take that off the bucket list for myself. Okay. I personally did not know that the Henson company was involved and now Ivar is already excited, but I'm like geeking out so hard right now because yeah. those guys are so amazing with what they do. I know. I know that we, we got their, you know, proprietary animatronics behind our, our grumblers and our makeup artist, our special effects makeup artist had, had done work with Henson before too. Mm -hmm. um but it had been a while so it was his return back there and working with some people that he'd worked with before and it was a really really cool really cool that's awesome mark when you talk about these influences i i get the i mean the fantasy stuff i'm right there with you um this kind of free floating i can't get over how just uh bold or like just how much confidence you have to have to just let a movie uh be shaped like that um and like when I texted you, I said, dude, like it takes a lot of guts to make a movie like this where you have to just not handhold an audience. What were some of those influences on a filmmaking side that you were like, I, I like these kind of films? Who are some of your your favorites? It's hard. You know, I wasn't it's hard. I can't think of anyone that I was directly influenced by. I think I've been so influenced. I'm so influenced by everyone that I've ever worked with, but I'm also just the people that are, I, I meet and come in and out of my life. Um, I draw inspiration from, I don't know, the most random kind of things. And, uh, you know, I think the, the, the free flowing aspect, the poetry element to it, um, it's just something that I aesthetically, I like, you know, and, and that I'd like to, to see, I like films that take a bit of time and um, you can, that you want to maybe watch again and and see some of the things, the deeper themes and, and stuff and the symbolism that's at play. Um, I like movies like that, you know? And so I just, I don't know. Yeah, I just, it's all for my, my own brain. <laughs> I told you he's such a fan. <laughs> I told you he's. No, a fan. I love it though. I because you don't you don't see filmmakers like this anymore. Like it's like you're actually having so much intention and thought. I was talking to you specifically, Lyndon. We don't see filmmakers right. like this anymore. Oh, I'm a traditional little uh, hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like you have it commercial all the way. <laughs> I'm just on set with Save the Cat. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just like <laughs> my my screenwriter ad libs, and I'm like, oh no, you have to have this, and then this happens. It's a B story. Like, I don't, I don't. You have, you have like a miniaturized version of like cut to the chase. <laughs> save, save the cat is like save the cat was a really rad book. I remember reading that, um, mm -hmm. but it also ended up putting it puts a little bit of a weird yeah, little bit of pressure, breaks. you oh. know, on you. Like, uh, yeah, I need to. Ah, it's page thirty. It's a, so yeah, I have to hit happened. this moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I think it's something that you described it as, London. It, like more like a prison, almost like it sounds I like you're you, more like a prison break. <laughs> I will tell you how I use Save the Cat. I actually use like a form of Save the Cat called the Sequence Approach, but that's only because of my ADD. And what the Sequence Approach does is it takes the Save the Cat beats of like you know Dark Night of the Soul and like Fun and Games and all that stuff. Geekscape is if you. Google save the cat screenwriting, you'll get it before, you know, it's real pretty, it's, it's pretty common. But then what the sequence approach does and a buddy of mine told me, because I was like, dude, I'm having trouble, you know, writing through this script is he goes, just Google the, like, look at the sequence approach and sequence approach. Some dude took this, took save the cat because I can knock out a short in a day. Shorts are easy to write for me. Um, sure. But when I start looking at like, Oh no, I have to write a hundred, 120 pages. Then I'll start being like, no, oh, maybe I'll just vacuum the couch or I'll release all my shoes. And, you know, I have, I have that issue, right? <laughs> so what the, what the sequence approach does is take Save the Cat and it takes like the first act and Save the Cat and it breaks it into like two eight to 12 page 
shorts that if you follow like the uptick or the downtick on a character, you'll you're basically following Save the Cat, but you're doing basically you're break, you're breaking the script into eight sequences. So there's like two in the first act, six or five in the second act, and like three or two in the in the third act. And as long as you write these kind of shorts loosely, is you'll end up with some really nice three act structure traditionally, like like you see in like a Disney movie. Uh, and they do it really well in a Disney movie. But what I do is I will write my sequences on like one page. I don't let myself go to two pages or I'm overwriting. And I'll say like, okay, in that first sequence, this happens. Second sequence, this happens. And I'll do all eight sequences. And then I'll erase the title of the sequences. The thing that say like, you know, the dark night of the soul. So that the dark thing has to happen or the the inciting incident should happen by this. I'll erase all of those goalposts that would lead me towards a traditional script. And then, but by that point, I filled in all the blanks in a traditional sense, but they can now have permission to become amorphous as the mm-hmm. character, as the characters start to, you know, I, I see it as like, I see like writing a story, especially personal ones. Like Mark and I have talked about some of the stories I've done. And, you know, I wrote a script about my divorce when I told Mark first about, I mean, Mark, we, I don't think we've talked since my divorce, but um, when we, when we, when I first told you about my script, I think in 2012 or 13, I didn't even know I was writing about a divorce. I was, I did not even literalize or vocalize in my own life, but I was telling myself, you are not happy where you are and you have to break a bone to reset it. And, mm-hmm. and I wrote the script about that. And so to me, writing a script and why you don't stick to those, nuts and bolts Disney formulas that they do better than we ever will um, is there's a sense of pale, uh, like personal paleontology in any script. Mark did a fantasy. You can do it with sci-fi. You can do it with any form of imagination. There is a, I think that if you're going to spend a year on this script or two years on a film or three years on a film, you have a sense to your, of like personal responsibility to yourself that it gives you something. And for me, it's personal. It's like this paleontology in, if you go to nuts and bolts on it, you've killed it and you need mm-hmm. to find a discovery in it. And for me, it's, you start with that sequence approach for me is like coming in to a dig site with big tools. But I know that by the end of it, I'm going to be using the toothbrush to see what is really at the core of this thing inside of me. You that's know, great. that's cool, man. I, that's, I dig that's, that. the gist. that's the gist. <laughs> Um, yeah. So your process is exactly the same, right, Mark? No, this well, mode, this guy is like, <laughs> oh, we're just gonna show up in North Wales. We're, we'll find it, Bodie. <laughs> Bodie, go jump in a fucking stream and not drown. And I was like, what? I was like, this kid is like, kid slip on a rock, smack his head open. Like, what the heck? The kid's over there with a. Sh- this kid. Let me tell you what's in this movie. All right, it's tell like me. fear. It's like Fear Factor for four year olds. Mark has this kid. <laughs> trudging through freezing waters in North Wales. He's holding a sword and he's walking on these moss covered slippery rocks with a sword in this chilly water. You probably see like ice float by and stuff. And I was like, that kid slips, that sword is going in his belly. And then that kid's going under the water. I was like, it's the, he could never make that movie in LA because we're too litigious. He couldn't make that movie in the US. They would take his kid away so fast. Be like, Luckily, did you just it's put, his own kid. Did you just put 80 pounds of fur pelt on your kid and make him walk up a mountain? There's no way. There's no way. There's lot, lots of tricks. Lots of let, me, tricks. let me tell you what the place with no words is. It's when your kid's too freaking exhausted to talk. That's what the place <laughs> is. Spoilers. <laughs> The I'm movie, sorry. the movie I'm... definitely has moments where you feel like, uh-oh, whoa, uh-oh, yeah, and those are the most fun because they're, I, the the most fake, you know. <laughs> uh, so it, <laughs> they're, they're, they're the fakest moments. Um, they're so they're so plotted out. <laughs> they're so plotted out. And, yeah, and it's fun, and it's fun to see and know, and and as an audience member, like, oof, that hits in a certain way, and I'm like, that's not what it looks like yeah um (laughs) movie magic yeah would you ever do a marvel movie mark if somebody showed up and was like hey listen we're gonna back the brinks truck up but you gotta you gotta get rid of this hippie stuff man uh, i'd act act in one probably maybe i'd probably maybe act in one no we don't want you to do that we want you to direct this thing we want you to take like spider-man and be like what if spider-man just like (laughs) goes to coney island for a day 
I, I, love, I, I, I love to see that. Spider-Man just goes to Coney Island for a day and is like, you know what? Uncle I know ben, exactly what's going to happen. Mark's going to do it in real time. So every moment Spider-Man goes through. <laughs> I get hit up on uh, Instagram all the time and thank, and people thank me for the amazing Spider-Man uh, because my Mark Webb directed is, it. Is similar, yes, to Mark Webb. Um, oh, so I, I feel like I've lived, I've had this alternate little reality of like getting praise for, for making a Spider-Man. No offense, no offense to Mark Webb. We do but yeah. I don't think I can thank him for Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to what? see Mark Webber's Amazing Spider-Man where he goes to Coney Island <laughs> and the kids walk out of the theater and they're like, he never dressed as Spider-Man. <laughs> the whole movie. The guy literally stared at Driftwood off the pier of Coney Island the entire time. What is this? Track? And then you realize about the true meaning. Then you realize that then you realize that like Dark Knight Rises, he was only Batman for like eight minutes the whole movie. And it's there's like no it's like the same thing. It's like if you pay to see Spider-Man, you'd be ticked. There's more Batman in the Lego movie than there is in Dark Knight Rises. So enjoy that. I think we should make this movie. I think it should be like I'm into it. Yeah, we should do okay because you got listen. Sony's got it. They're probably gonna sue us, so we'll try and kiss some butt. And like the first movie is called Spider-Man: Far From Home. Second one is no, no, it's it's Spider-Man: Homecoming, and then Spider-Man: Far From Home. The third one's gonna be called Spider-Man: Homeless. There you go, and, and that's it. And we need Mark because Mark has been homeless in his life, and he knows what that that struggle is. So this is what it is. It's Peter Parker. He's got like a couple days. You know, he's got a couple hours to kill. He's locked out of the house. We got this, you guys. I'm yeah. saying, like, and you know what? If we need a rights cleared name, we just, we'll call him Arachnid Boy or something. You know, uh, something like that. Yeah, just so we you know, avoid all the legal stuff. But Bodie, you're up. You want to play Spider Man? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, guys. Hey, hey, <laughs> I like it. I like uh-huh. it. Hey, Bodie, I mean, Children Services isn't watching. Get over there on that on that uh, roller coaster. <laughs> climb it like climb it like you're Spider Man. <laughs> Protective service is in here. This is this is going to be your new fans only page, isn't it? <laughs> You've got to see this movie, Katie. October twenty third. I'm, I'm very, I'm very excited. That's like at the end of this week, isn't it? Because I'm yeah, like, it's Friday. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm like, okay, I know exactly what movie I'm probably going to be putting on my game room episodes the uh, next an time. Interesting double header would be like placing of words and then follow up with like Borat. You know. <laughs> Friday. Oh, that's right. The new the one. Borat and then go place no words. This is like this is like a fine wine paired with Taco Bell, but yeah, yeah. From absolutely. art to fart. I think we got go. this. I I'm think we you, got dude, this. Seriously, I'm writing I encourage this our audience to go do that this Friday and yeah, see the make some interesting correlations between the two. There's probably something there, you know? Give it that Borat bump. Yeah. Cause like he, seriously, he goes into real life situations, right? He really inhabits and lives in a character. Things happen spontaneously. I mean, there's definitely a lot of reality cinema happening with his work. And Mark has never pulled a permit in his entire freaking life. Hell no. You see him shooting in like Griffith Park and stuff. There's like people walking past and I'm like, dude's stealing all of this. No (laughs) permits. And he's not like, he's not like a kid in a film school who's like, we got to hurry. He's like stressing about being caught. Mark's like, you know, whatever. We're making art over here, folks. And- <laughs> you need permission to make a movie? Come on. No. Nah. Like, yeah, man. Gotta make your art. Absolutely. Yeah. He didn't ask a friend to be like, dude, look out for cops if you see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's like people who have just moved to LA and they're like, bro, dude, we gotta steal this location. You gotta keep a lookout on all four corners. Yeah. Tell me if you see anybody. Just, yeah. I don't know, text me. Yeah. <laughs> He's sitting there. He's got his kid running around in the back of an open truck. I'm like, this is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I'm I kidding. The kid is not. I'm. I'm so exaggerating the danger he put his kid in. Yeah. I. I can't stop thinking about like how much fun this must have been for your son. Like just like purely like playing dress up and then like also having this like this film to mm-hmm. be like an archival almost of like these moments and like getting to play pretend with like your family. Like how cool! Like it's such an amazing thing. Like is this something that like you always dreamed you wanted to do? Um, like having this kind of relationship with your son? Well, yeah, totally. I mean, I 
when I, I made my first film in this way called The End of Love with my son Isaac when he was two. Yeah. That was he, Isaac. I'm sorry yeah, I Isaac. spoke earlier. No, that, it's okay. That was Isaac, he's, yeah. He's 12 now. and No, he's just making the movies now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy no, crap. That kid is sprouted. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, it's, yes, it's like the most fulfilling thing, you know, when you can make yeah. art with the people that you love um, and you have these these beautiful, interesting time capsules that like, yeah, 10 years from now, sitting down and watching this film with Bodhi is going to be so profound for us. Yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, I love, I, I try, I strive to make things that are timeless in that way. And that, uh, you know, maybe are discovered 10 years from now. And, uh, that excites me, you know, and I, and I yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that we all have this as a family. That's great. That's, That's really good. Nice. Unless the relationships go bad and then it's like ah, it's oh, even more uh, interesting though, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it works both ways. You know? You're both such ways. an open accepting <laughs> realist. You're like Yeah, okay, you know that could happen. That was that period of my life. <laughs> you watch some of those home videos you made in college and it's like, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't want those to ever get out. Katie, I know oh, what you're God. talking about. Yeah, there's a couple of things with me that I'm like, well, that should not be seen by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm still making those like oh, short films where I'm like, I'm no, literally doing that every week on my Instagram. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm like, I, I do feel like it's like one of those where I'm like, I'm going to be embarrassed by this in probably half a year's time, but you know what? Let's make it anyway. <laughs> 2020, folks, come on, just every, you know? every. That's what I say with Super Action Man. Every time I get in the chonies. The oh, Speedo. Super Action Man! God. I'm a fan of Super Just, Action Man's work. Every t- every time that junk comes out, I was down the freaking street, okay. the polling booth, and there are people. Out. There were people walking up, wanting to like drop off their ballots, and I was yeah. making this PSA in a in a speedo, like yeah. I'm, I'm Burbank Boulevard down the street, and people are like walking up. They don't know if they're going to be able to drop off their ballot or get completely molested by this guy in a speedo. might be a proud boy, but we're not sure. I mean, he's... Well, American flag, and American flag has become like a warning now for some reason to be like, oh, that guy's a... It's like, no, I'm bringing it back. It's just yeah. in a really, like, stupid way. <laughs> That's yeah. my art. That is my art. It's effective. It, when uh, that voting sticker was right there in dead center on the package, I was like, oh, God, London. <laughs> Kitty. Let yeah. Mark do something, okay? Let Mark do the exploration of like theme and, and existence yeah. and all that stuff. I'm it, my, it, I, I'm too dumb for that. <laughs> all right, if I try and do what Mark does, you're gonna be like, "Hey, Jonathan, you okay?" And like, blood's gonna be coming out of my nose, and I'm just gonna fall over. <laughs> <laughs> to which Mark would rush in with a camera and be like, "Let's capture it. It's life. Yeah. It's beautiful. What can we Keep make of this?" Jonathan, can you die again? We're gonna reset. Lean into this. <laughs> Lean into the field. I, I, yeah, every every two minutes I die, Mark. Get the camera ready. <laughs> uh, what's next, dude? You talked about maybe doing another movie. What are you doing next? Oh, uh, I want to say everything about it, but I can't. I've been working on my next script for the last uh, two and a half, three years. Um, yeah. And the energy that I've been putting into it is like, maybe this is my last film. So, really? Yeah, but oh, like, in a, oh. but in an excite, but like in a exciting way like the way the lights fire out of your eyes yeah um and so yeah i've been deeply inspired and really hoping and looking to be shooting that at some point next year um yeah and in the meantime have just been on a really beautiful journey with this film i you know we got really lucky last year premiering uh at tribeca and um going on a world tour with the film and being able to sit with people in a in a theater was really special you know because yeah. nowadays we we don't have that experience so i it, it's been it's been amazing just um being right on the verge of this film being out into the into the world for everyone to see um you yeah. even had a retrospective the dude got a filmmaker retrospective Europe. that was amazing you guys That's it was really amazing cool. it was in poland last year um yeah, I played all five of my films and gave me an independent artist icon award. And, um, you know, and, and sitting and watching all of your work kind of back to back with packed audiences in Poland 
Yeah, uh, it really goes to your head, doesn't it? I can see <laughs> I am an independent icon. Um, Perhaps next time you come to our country to endanger your child, eh? <laughs> Perhaps. I'm like, there is, yeah, I was down. I'm down. Yeah. I was like, I see some stuff here. Um, Teresa, we got to have another kid. For We're running out of actors here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta make another one. Back so. in the day, you needed to have kids to like work the farm. Mark's like, I'm running out of thespians. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> got to be more of those kids. Uh huh. I got to get some diversity. Tracy, <laughs> you're gonna how, start, how, how are we gonna do that one? You're gonna yeah. start adopting pets, and you're gonna you be making those adopting them. Yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, you're giving me a lot of ideas to be. It's honest. like, well, I thought the next yeah. one was my last film. Yeah, right. and I, then I gotta go make the, the one that that dum dum told me to do on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I well, I hope this isn't your your second to last film. Like I, I hope to see a ton more work out of you. But well, I understand you. that everybody's journey is on their own. But um if if this was your second to last film and you, you create this the the next one and you decide that that's it, what what do you want to do after that? Like what's what's the thought? Or is that even in your vision right now? Uh it's not so much now. I think that um I don't know. I, I'm all, I, I will be forever connected to the arts in, in some way. Um, and I still very much love acting and there's definitely plenty of, um, of people out there that I would love an opportunity to, to work with. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think hopefully just continuing to act, but, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I love, I love cooking. Maybe I'll just, become a chef you guys okay <laughs> in the second half of my life no um i don't know i, We're I I'm definitely it. i i i'm gonna be be making some films as an actor probably until until i i die for I sure love that. good yeah good good mark dude thank you so much for coming on the show man and uh it's yeah, awesome guys. having you, dude. Like that was really inspiring watching your movie last week. Uh, Thank it was you. Awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad that you came. You know, it was it was pretty, it was pretty cool. It's pretty pretty crazy. It was like a historical moment. You know, not not everybody <laughs> gets to have like a, a drive-in premiere during this time. So I was really really grateful that people were able to come out and feel safe and you know see a movie. No, yeah. it was fun. Um, and. Again, Geekscape is the movie comes out this Friday. If you're watching this live, if you're not, uh, and you're listening to us on the podcast, that's October 23rd. The movie's called The Place of No Words. It stars uh, Bodie and um, the, his dad. We're Mark. Just gonna go with, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and again, his like, and his mom. It, it is mom. Oh, uh, oh, I did, oh that's amazing. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a whole family thing. This guy doesn't want to pay anybody. He's stealing locations. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's flying people away. Cheap, cheap way to do things. That's for sure. Yeah. sure. Yeah, you kept it to one hour for the kid. This yeah, guy's got okay. a farmer mentality. He's like, no, let's get another one. Teresa's like, I got to carry this for nine months. No, you have the kid. It's an investment. <laughs> you have the freaking kid. I'm telling you, he's going to start adopting people. It's going to get weird. Mm-hmm. He's going to start Never doing like some, it's going to be like hostile over there at his house. Mark, he's if you want to adopt me and put me in a Viking gear thing or anything, you you let me know. I'm free for adoption. I called it first, Trident style. Yeah. Katie. <laughs> A trident no. and a Viking outfit. What movie is that? I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Put on an eye patch, Katie. Go stand over there. Or you don't man. get a muffin. Um, <laughs> Mark, dude, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, uh, no, thanks for having me, you guys. This was really fun. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Mark, it's like, I'm glad you still think the lunacy is fun. It's fun. This is great. <laughs> this is great. I love it, you guys. Thank you. Well, thanks, dude. Um, Geeks gave us. I'll tell you one more time. Watch the film. Uh, you can find Mark online on social media. The Place of No Words has social media. It's got the Instagram. It's got the Twitter. Follow the movie. You're going to get some updates. And uh, also follow Mark on all that social media so you get updates on his next film. Maybe he's starring in it. Uh, he's probably going to be in some TV shows coming up. I know you. Uh, you know you were in a couple uh, shows last last year, weren't you? No, well, I was I, the, the only two shows I've shot two pilots. Yeah, and one I got fired from. And uh, was that stunt? Was that Stumptown, Mark? Yeah, it was. 
Wow. Based on a comic book, so the Geekscapists know it. It's based on a Greg Rucka comic, and yeah. I was like, "Oh shit, Mark's in Stumptown." Based on the comic, and then I was like, "I don't think Mark's in the show anymore." Wah, wah, wah. No, okay. um, and then we did it. We did an LA Confidential uh, pilot that was pretty rad, but that yeah, that didn't go for it. They yep. probably fired. Let me tell you, I don't want you to tell us why you got fired from Stumptown, but I, it probably had something to do with you showing up and being like, ah, oh, we don't need all this camera and equipment. What if my kid shows up and the kid will play the detective? And like, I definitely had a hard time with the, the structure, the corporate entities. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, Katie, this yeah. guy is a freaking. He's like dust. He's like. <laughs> He's like Dennis Hopper over here. <laughs> this guy. I get it. I do get that though. <laughs> he's he's I, like I, a night late trouble several times for actually voicing my actual opinion on things. He's like oh a yeah, night- it happens, right? Yep. yep. <laughs> it's easy yeah. writer. He 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 should have existed like in the late sixties, early seventies. <laughs> They're all running around with Bullock's cameras on drugs, making movies. Like that's Mark right there. <laughs> Dude, you you kind of you kind of miss your era, buddy. But you're bringing it back with this. Bringing stuff. it back. I'm you're bringing it back. I hear it's going big in Poland. They're like, it's good. Run around with the Bolex camera and make some art. Great Polish <laughs> accent, London. Really I, good. Actor. You're the actor. You're the actor. <laughs> I'm I'm the idiot who people think are funny enough to watch for 15 years on this <laughs> computer. It's amazing. 15 years. Congrats. Hey, what, else, what else am I gonna do? Go back to prison? I'm not doing that. No, me neither. No. Oh Wait, I'm, what? I'm, I'm, yeah. Katie. <laughs> Katie. Like, like, I'm not about that structure. I gotta break out. Right. <laughs> next time, pay your parking tickets, London. You are gonna survive in jail. You didn't make it an hour in holding, pal. All right. Uh, we are so off the 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 base now. Right. Um, Geeks gave us. Uh, you can follow Katie online. El Sassy Pants is her Twitter handle. And uh, you just follow Jonathan, but uh, just find me. But really find Geekscape and be a part of it on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagrams, all that. I built this to be a community for all of you. Um, and it brought us together. And here we are 15 years uh, down the road. And we couldn't be at Comic-Con this summer. But next summer, we will be hopefully at Comic-Con. And I'll have more shirts for you all. I've got some cool surprise designs coming that I'm really excited about that I talked to our designer, Fernando, who made the Geekscape logo. Uh, and he was guest a few weeks ago on the show. But um, these shirts that I just threw up uh, that are the Heroes Wear Masks superhero shirt to get you all to wear masks uh, and tell your friends to wear masks, those are going to go up in the shop pretty soon. I'm moving the shop over. And as soon as I put mail out these pre-order ones, there will be a couple left over to put in the shop. So thanks for supporting Geekscape and support our good buddy, Mark, this Friday, VOD, the place of no words. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, For Katie and Mark, Geekscape forever, over and out. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 